second. India have won the Test match. India have won the series. Hello and welcome to another World Cup special episode on Everyone All Out. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the 2003 World Cup held up joint held jointly by South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Kenya. This World Cup gave us so many talking points, from Shane Warne's failed drug test to Andy Flaherty's stance, political stance, to the great dramatic South African early exit. You can also make a compelling case for this to be the best bowling World Cup of all time. To discuss all this and more, we have a special crew today joined by Shriram Dayanand from uh, Canada. Hi, Shriram. Uh, hi, Mahesh. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks. Uh, we also have Cricket Info Treasure Karthik uh, Krishnaswamy here. Hey, guys. Good to be here again. Thanks, Karthik. Uh, and of course, our fellow uh, 81 All Out member Ashok Rao as well. Yeah, man. Yes. Uh, with that, uh, let's get started. Uh, so we'll start with uh, talking about our personal memories of watching the World Cup, where we were, what we were doing in life, and stuff like that. And from there, we we kind of get into the meaty sections of uh, the World Cup at large. Do we start with Sri Ram? Sri Ram, come on, take it ahead. So yeah, I mean, I, I watched all of it here in uh, Toronto, uh, and that was probably the World Cup I watched. too many matches i think and a goddamn long world cup it seemed like it was never ending and uh and i used to play in a cricket league here and uh, almost pretty much every single match uh, i watched with the uh, members of the team so we used to shuttle around house to house uh, every match so it was a lot of fun because pretty much every match we watched with like 8 to 10 people minimum uh so it was a shitload of fun and uh yeah i mean of course we, before we get to all the matches i mean uh toronto has got a pretty serious uh, cricket uh, what do you call presence and the build up was pretty epic because uh, canada was in the world cup as we know and uh, we used to practice during the winter in a indoor uh, net facility and the canadian team used to practice there and uh, we used to have larry gomes and uh, i think i forget which one was during 2003 the coach was always a west indian player we had kastlogi and uh, uh, larry gomes and uh, as coaches of the canadian team so we used to shoot the shit with them and like the build up was awesome and uh, so yeah i mean it was a lot of fun just hanging out with uh, the cricket team friends uh, watching it and uh, we used to get it on tv here i mean like it was available everywhere so you would walk into a bar or something later in the evening and they'd be showing like a replay so that was the first world cup where it felt like it was all over the air in toronto it was a lot of fun so i have really really fond memories of it till the years epic over Uh, was there was there a buzz around Canada's participation beyond the usual zero. species cricket circle? Nothing, right? Absolutely zero, because uh, <laughs> it's like nobody. I, I used to go around. I mean, like I think even in 2011, I wrote an article about it. I got so mm-hmm. sick of it. I, I used to tell people at work or friends, saying Canada's in it, and they're like, "What? Really? We have a team?" So <laughs> same old story, but. Uh, uh, because of the cricket league right i mean like uh, and ashish bagai and uh, chumni and all those mm-hmm. guys used to play in the toronto cricket league 
<laughs> that league is like 140 years old and like seven divisions and I mean it's pretty awesome standard I mean like even players like Fra- Franklin Rose and when they used to get injured or something for West Indies they'd come and warm up here we're playing for a team so in the cricket circles it was pretty big because and it's pretty uh, sort of organized and, and it's it's quite extensive but in the general public mm-hmm. I, Okay, moving on. Uh, what about Karthik? Uh, what were you doing at that time? Yeah, it's it's interesting. We spoke about this in uh, the 96 episode where uh, memories from those childhood World Cups are way more vivid than the later ones. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's true. I remember the matches, but I, uh, the experiences around it, not as much. Though, uh, uh, sticking with the Canada theme, it... Uh, I, I only got the highlights of the Davison innings after getting back home, I think, from school. and uh, But then I saw a little bit of his bowling. And uh, I don't know, I really liked his action. And uh, yeah, I one of the commentators made a comment about, you know, his quick calm action and stuff like that. And that's one of the first times I'd heard about like spin bowling, you know, the need for the quick calm and stuff like that. So I was quite fascinated. I thought... I really liked his action and so I used to play cricket with uh, two of my best friends like brothers and so yeah, when I, we'd play in their sort of driveway, front yard, whatever you want to call it and for a couple of days I was trying to bowl off spin with that action, not that I, you know, would bowl any better than I usually do. Oh man, we have to get this, we have to get this fanboy thing to Davison. I mean, it's like you were playing cricket trying to be Davison. That's awesome. <laughs> Briefly, that to, but that yes. to bowling, right? That to bowling, that yeah. To bowling. yeah. <laughs> so before, before, before influencing Nathan Lyon, he influenced me. <laughs> <laughs> he was a pretty decent bowler. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, uh, I mean, I remember watching a lot of the matches and the final was on the day before my final physics exam and I'd been flunking physics right through the year. But obviously, I'm not going to like sit and study when the World Cup final is on. But I just remember this dull feeling in my head as the match went on and especially once it came really clear that, you know, India's not going to win this. So, I was lying down in an uncomfortable position on my couch and yeah, just the feeling in my head is really... Still quite vivid. What about you, Ashoka? At least for me, this was kind of the first World Cup when I went uh, went in with the idea that, oh, so these many teams are competing. At that point in time, there was no concept of a, a long World Cup or a short World Cup because, I mean, as a college student, I was fucking jobless and I was not even studying. So therefore, there was nothing much in life to other than sit in, a, sit in front of a TV and watch the matches, right? So... Uh, so, in that way, this World Cup was fantastic for me. Uh, but now, in retrospect, this World Cup does not seem like that great a World Cup anyways because there were so many blade matches. And one last thing to add was, uh, right before this World Cup, we toured New Zealand. And that was a shit show of a tour, if you guys remember. It was one yeah, fuck yeah, all. Yeah. It, it was a fuck all tour where I think we made two hundred three times. I think we we cracked two hundred three times in five tests and seven ODI. 
so coming to the world cup i was like thinking how far will we even go will this team after getting battered so badly this was in Dece- december january and the and the and the world cup was happening in february so so i was also that was another intrigue like how far will we even go interesting what do you mahesh it's similar to ashoka because probably it's similar life stage so i was in college i was in uh, like doing bcom and vaishnav college it was right in the middle of the best three years of my life and this came right in the sweet spot in the second year of that college so i had all the time in the world to watch the world cup or cricket at large because i was watching every match during that time and and now i i am also like supporting sachin so i was hoping he does well and i was happy that he had a great tournament uh it's a funny thing i thought i'll bring it up uh, later but i'll probably say it now i don't know how many of you guys have seen uh, super deluxe here no not yet no okay so there's a scene where a bunch of guys uh, when their parents are out you know call other friends and they want to watch a pornsome at home so uh, which is like a normal thing that a lot of us during school days uh, early college would have gone through right but post this world cup uh once one such incident happened and a bunch of us gathered at a friend's place and instead of getting a porn movie this guy got a dvd of the sachin uh, it's a sachin special dvd of his batting during that tournament 2003 world cup sachin's batting exclusively kind of porn anyway yeah porn anyways and nobody complained everybody sat and watched that was what we were doing for the next like 2 hours or something on repeat so i have i probably remember every boundary that sachin hit in that tournament and not just every boundary sachin hit i pretty much remember 80% of the matches very very well uh, in that uh, tournament because i had nothing else to do in life and but what a fucking long tournament that was i mean people could have made the debut and retired during it i mean like what was it 42 matches or something in the regular i count i mean i had lost track i looked it up I mean that's insane before the super sixes like 42 matches and thing went on for like seven weeks or something I mean monstrosity but uh, like, you know funny how you should say that because I was just reading the the Simon uh, uh, while piece on uh, at on the review of that world cup at Wisden Uh-huh. and he talks about how this was a bloated format and in order to fix that almost immediately as this world cup was going on they tweaked the format for 2007 where they added more teams and reduced the number of matches true hoping that yeah. that will prove to be a fix to this problem and that ended up creating its own problems oh god i had to resort to this stupid format back in 2011 where it was almost like 96 all over again Yeah, yeah. So is there a I mean I mean we keep talking about 92 but 92 had the advantage of having only nine teams but if you have an ambition of expanding teams is there an ideal format for cricket world cup you always seem to be complaining The football world cup I would say if you have a 16 team or a 20 team or a 24 team tournament do it the way football does it of course you will have people you you want it both ways like you don't want India or Pakistan to go out you don't want many big teams to go out so you want your own fixtures of india pakistan so you if you if you start your uh, tournament uh, planning with that in mind you are going to have some kind of a fuck all format at the end of it football doesn't mind a brazil going out in the initial formats football doesn't mind some team coming in and going till the semi final like a japan coming and going until the semi finals those are 
part of the world cup those are the, the nice things that happen as part of the world cup and there are people who embrace that we i mean icc starts from a very nervous place where uh, like 2007 like ireland bangladesh happened instead of an india pakistan so they don't want that ever so they start tweaking it from with that in mind and therefore you end up with fuck all tournament formats right yeah i mean i'd i'd rather have a knockout i mean like super 8s and super 6s i'm not a big fan of i mean like and and your your points that you carry forward is another big uh, pain in the ass so you end up with teams having like uh, carrying points like it was the thing with the 99 world cup right like we got buggered yeah. because of that yeah yeah yep yeah zimbabwe okay. took so, two points and like yeah yeah olonga took three wickets in an over it's so hard right you now you look at the uh, results of pick a pick a world cup 2007 with the super 8s right hmm. and you're looking at the matches in the super 8s and like you have to it's like advanced calculus you have to figure out I mean, like how how did they make it and like what happened there and like points forward and all this is bullshit i mean like uh, i think it should be pretty much much simpler I mean, in fact they tweaked it for this world cup right after the 99 world cup mess where uh, both india and australia with zero points no yeah. it's similar but you they know, added the points team. for uh, a quarter of the points for their non qualifying teams as well so you don't come into it with uh, zero like like india and australia yeah. did right 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 yeah, yeah 99 was so weird i know yeah. but yeah i mean like this one yeah i mean it was a lot of fun i mean i have some fond memories of it <laughs> like my favorite though was the first match so uh, the west indies uh, south africa one right so we decided to go watch it in this uh, one of the, i mean he was a fast bowler on our team and he lived somewhere in the boonies and i live in downtown toronto i'm like okay sure why not so i drive up uh, to this guy's place and he's got this uh, i mean he hadn't bought the what do you call the pay per view package but he had this uh, cracked sort of a box uh, and he had, this thing had a chip in it and you would go to this uh, probably some innocuous looking store in a strip mall i mean like probably selling halal meat or something and they go to the back and there was this dude selling this cracked chip except and he would plug it in and every 45 minutes or whatever they would scramble it and we would lose the signal and then he would have to take the chip out and like and that halal meat guy would call and give the new code he would have to burn the code into it and then put the chip back and i'm sitting there going i'm missing lara's knock you idiot i mean like what are you doing <laughs> the telecast kept bopping out every 20 minutes or whatever because they they were trying to stop these pirates and i'm like what did i do to deserve this lara's batting and like there's no signal now i mean like i spent the whole game yelling at that guy that's all i remember another memory that i have from that specific match is uh, is closner uh, was batting and uh, and i think he hits uh, uh, he hits a shot to uh, square leg where peto collins is fielding and i have never seen uh, i've been watching peto collins for a couple of years then and i have never seen him take a catch <laughs> like i've seen drops so many i've never seen him take a catch Uh, so finally and i'm like this close enough fan watching with you know like uh, a lot of nervousness and this is a fairly close match and pedro collins actually catches it and i'm shocked i'm shocked but what happens is he goes on to cross the boundary after catching 
<laughs> so he still can't catch. <laughs> but at least he didn't drop it. <laughs> it's stuck in his hands. And Collins and West Indies through that tournament. It's amazing looking through the scorecards that they were just playing with three bowlers every match. It was uh, Collins, uh, I think, uh, Vasbert, Drakes, was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the scorecard as, as you speak. Yeah, now I realize when you say. Yeah. I didn't realize it then. Yeah. And Mervyn Dillon, yeah. Yeah, Dillon. Yeah, just I'm three bowlers the and then make, and then making do with Hooper and Gale and Wavell Hines and everyone. It's Interesting strategy and yeah, you man, they, they cracked T20 Rick, way before T20 even came into existence. Ricardo exactly, Paul, yeah. this yeah. was one of the last few innings of uh, last few great innings of Ricardo Paul, right? After this, I don't think he was play much play. after that. Yeah, yeah no. I didn't realize that they were playing with three bowlers throughout the tournament. Was it throughout the tournament? I mean, I'm just uh, really surprised. Yeah, today I was looking through all the scorecards and every match, just three bowlers and. Yeah, it's something you can't do with the current ODI restrictions with uh, four four guys only on the boundary and stuff. So true. Let's talk a little bit about some of the controversies around that World Cup. One, it was a fairly politically charged uh, tournament, given what was happening in Zimbabwe and what had happened in uh, in Kenya a year before, with uh, with New Zealand refusing to play in Kenya and England. Uh, refusing to play in Zimbabwe, pretty much like till the last minute, it was just going on. But eventually, they decided not to. There was uh, there was the Andy Flower and Henry Olonga, uh, you know, political stance as well, which came pretty much what in like in the first second match of the tournament. Right. Uh, Namibia expecting. Yeah, pretty early on. Namibia, I think it may have been their first match itself. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Did you? Uh, I mean, maybe Karthik is a good place to start because you you would have had no clue of what's happening in Zimbabwe. Then I suppose I'm sure Shriram would have had some inkling of what is happening in that country. But did you understand what they were doing? Did you understand the significance of what they were trying to do and the kind of risks that they were taking? At that time, no, not completely. Though, uh, it's interesting because probably this was my introduction to that particular political issue, right? Mm-hmm. Through cricket, I got to know of what was happening in Zimbabwe at the time. So, yeah, it, it went that way for me rather than the other way around. So, for you, it was just another black armband that they wore or did you understand the significance of the fact that they may not play for Zimbabwe again? No, as in I read, read about it in the papers and stuff, like what it meant and all of that. Uh, okay. I wasn't, I didn't watch that game live. So, uh, yeah. So, there was, that immediacy wasn't there where I was watching these guys and wondering what was happening. So it was more about reading about it in the paper and finding out later. Interesting. What about you, Sriram? Did you have a sense of what uh, what was happening in the country and then the what what was your take on the whole thing? Did you think it was uh, it was even fair to have the World Cup being hosted in Zimbabwe and Nairobi in that stage? I mean, especially Zimbabwe because uh, Mugabe was in the news quite a bit and uh, here and. I'm always a bit obsessed with world politics, so I mean, like, uh, I was, I mean, like, I, I thought he was a supreme dick. Uh, <laughs> when when they gave the games to Zimbabwe, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's you get caught up in this, right? I mean, like, I mean, you have nothing against the cricket team, I mean, like, all of that, but then you're saying, I mean, is this the usual shit which happens? I mean, like, do you are you legitimizing that uh, idiot? And uh, so, I mean, the fact that. The country was a mess. 
was, I mean, pretty much well known. And like, and the fact that he was like a completely out of control. So when uh, Loga and Flower did it, I mean, like my first reaction was like, yeah, good for you guys, right? I mean, like, it's almost like you're taking a stand. So, I mean, like, I was quite uh, happy that they did it. Because There's a couple of things. One is, is a political stance of, of, you know, playing in an authoritarian regime. The other one is the safety of the players, right? One one is this uh, moral question of, do you want to play in a country which is not doing right by its people? But more importantly, it's a question where you are posing the dilemma to the visiting teams of putting their security at stake, right? Yeah. yeah. For, let's, uh, let's forget the political uh, or moral stance on this. Purely a logistical thing, saying how can you put the honors on New Zealand to go and play in a country where they don't, they don't feel secure. And the alternative is them forfeiting the match and losing the precious points. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, I ha- I've always had this fundamental issue with uh, splitting a World Cup be- between countries. I, I just don't like it. I mean, like, I- I'd be totally fine. Give the whole World Cup to Zimbabwe then. I mean, like, uh, even when India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka do it, whatever, I'm like, uh, screw it. I mean, like, uh, just play it in all in Australia. Or why not give a whole World Cup to the Kiwis? Or I mean, like, it's just this mental block I have of mm-hmm. like splitting a World Cup between countries. I mean, like, just stick it in one. You believe in the nation state too much, Sriram? No, zero. Actually, I mean, it's more. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I tend to be a bit anarchist in everything I think of, but uh, but no, it's. I mean, it causes all these crazy headaches and like, why bother? I mean, like, just play it in a single place. Come back to the, the, the tournament itself. Uh, so how, how did you see the, the South Africa's uh, tragicomic exit? Uh, was, do, you, do you simply blame it on, on that mind freeze in the last ball? Or I mean, they were pretty poor throughout, right? I mean, they, they were left with the situation of getting, what, uh, getting seven of two balls against Murli then to, to be able to qualify. So that itself is not the best situation to find yourself in. Oh, they, the drama was brilliant, but I mean, like, it, it was, the team was, yeah, okay. I mean, like, it's not like it's a shocker that uh, they were they didn't make it. But, I mean, it, it's almost poetic, right? I mean, like, uh, you, you're thinking, I mean, like, this is surely this can't happen two World Cups in a row. And uh, then for it to end that way, and, I mean, the only thing you remember from that is that uh, sort of ashen face of Pollock sitting in the pavilion looking like you had seen a ghost. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like that image is burned right into our brains. But, I mean, like, what can you say about it? I mean, I mean, in hindsight, I mean, like, we've talked about it, we've laughed about it, and, like, and then you go, I mean, to be fair, I mean, at that time, Duckworth Lewis was still kind of a mystery, right? I mean, like, uh, the fact that uh, it, it got decided by that, and uh, there's no excuse for a cricket team not to get it. But uh, even I remember, I was all confused during the match. I mean, like, I'm like, what's going on? I mean, what, 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 what? like we were arguing. I mean, like, do they have enough? I mean, like, is there, is a tie? I mean, like, basically, exactly what South Africa. Tony Gray so was yeah. Tony Gray was doing the commentary then, and he was confused as hell as well. And uh, yeah, so. I think uh, he, I think Pollock. He, he uh, yeah, I think some Pollock and his team sent some polynomial equation to Boucher to solve <laughs> and figure out what it means. Yeah, yeah he could have taken a single oh, yeah. of the ball. 
I mean, like even given the shot he played, I'm like they could have run. <laughs> and like it was ridiculous. I mean, like what are you defending for? I think the message went out to him a very cryptic one, saying something like 229 is the number. Yeah. He he dropped a dolly of uh, Stephen Fleming also in that New Zealand match voucher. Yeah, and then Fleming goes on to play a blinder, right? I mean, he yeah, yeah, yeah. spectacular innings. Oh, that was no, brilliant. I mean, South Africa didn't win a single match against the big teams, right? This was a tie. Sri Lanka was a tie. They lost to New Zealand. They lost to West Indies in the opening game. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it yeah. was a thumping loss, not even like a close match. Yeah. Even that Fleming innings, he just kept bowling at his pads or like short and wide. It was, it was a really poor bowling performance. In fact, uh, Donald talks about it, uh, I think, before the tournament or after. But he says there was so much pressure on South Africa hosting the event and, you know, expectation of South yeah. Africa going on to win a home World Cup. That the pressure got mm-hmm. to them even before the tournament started. There was that uh, iconic uh, South African Airways ad, right? It's our job to bring the world here and your job to send them back. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine. Of course, you're playing at home and, of course... Yep. The- trauma of the previous one is like it's still uh, I mean the damage will never go away so yeah I can imagine the uh, kind of pressure they would have been under but still somehow they never seemed to ignite I mean like uh, they seemed flat but but yeah I mean give it to them to turn it into that spectacular Shakespearean ending but I mean, like, how could they cock it up that way? Yeah, yeah. And so much so that we only talk about the ending, right? Nobody talks about the fact that they lost to West Indies, they lost to New Zealand, and they yeah. against Sri Lanka. It's all about that one one mind freeze where, you know, like in today's context, the, the target will be put up on like a giant screen. You know, there's no confusion. There's no need for anybody to calculate or whatever. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but in, um, coming back to the, the, the some of the matches and the in the World Cup, some of the key matches, so to say, uh, maybe you, like each of you can start with, with probably the most exciting matches from your perspective. Maybe Shiram, you want to go ahead? Well, I can't pick Centurion. I mean, like, uh, that one, I mean, obviously, that was brilliant. But uh, there are quite a few, though. I mean, uh, I was thinking today, I was even talking to Pranav about it. I mean, it's like, uh, because he's seen it all after the fact. And uh, <laughs> I think he said something like, you can't stop grinning when you see Tendu Hoik uh, Caddick for a six, right? I'm like, I mean, more than the matches, I have these mm-hmm. uh, events which, uh, which I love during this World Cup. I mean, if I had to pick a match, I would pick the Pakistan Centurion match because I mean, like, it was brilliant in all kinds of ways. But uh, uh, there were so many other moments. And uh, I still remember even in that match against uh, New Zealand, I'll just, uh, full disclosure here, I wanted I wanted New Zealand to win this World Cup so bad. I mean, like, I think I was just obsessed with Shane Bond. I mean, like, I just oh, wanted yeah. to see yeah. Bond bowl all day. And even mm-hmm. in that match, those three wickets, he took, we lost three wickets and we beat them. But he took all three of them. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I think I mean, like, yeah, he was. I mean, like he was something else. And in else, fact, right? uh, Dravid was also dropped on duck or something, if I'm not wrong. Mekalum, Mekalum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I'm not sure if uh, if Bond was a bowler, but he was dropped on duck. That's for sure. Yeah. So no, I mean, like there are all these moments, right? Nehra uh, during the England game, uh, like 
uh, Bond's bowling and like, a, but uh, I mean, if I had to pick a match, I would pick the Pakistan Centurion match because I mean, like it was brilliant in all kinds of ways. That one's so overloaded with memory. <laughs> it's a little you, wrote about, you wrote about those three shots. Why don't you kind of redo that for us with your voice? <laughs> I mean, like, what else can you say about them? I mean, like uh, the drama, right? And uh, that back foot cover drive of Vasim. I mean, like... It, yeah, yeah. First, I mean, I, th- I think that was the best shot of the lot. Although the first the best. Thing, lot of coverage. Yeah, and I also love was... Robin Jackman's uh, commentary around it because he doesn't talk for a while. Right? He says, wow, oh, 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 oh. And then yeah, literally, after like a few seconds, he says, beautiful. That's it. I know. I know. I remember like, yeah, Jackman is going, oh, oh, oh. But then silence and then he goes, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a shot of the match. I mean, like... I've seen that probably like 800 million times and like it still <laughs> I mean like leaves you speechless. It's spectacular. I mean, of course, the drama of Shoaib and uh, <laughs> that over. So, uh, no, I mean, that match is epic in all kinds of ways. I mean, like uh, how, when it starts that way, uh, I mean, like it's, and of course, the fact that we won and the way we want to, right? Because it was, it almost ended in this super confident Dravid and uh, Yuvraj saying it like they were out for a walk in the park. I mean, it's almost from feverish excitement, it went down to like, what's the big deal? Kind of, uh, it was amazing the way the flow of the match happened. First time they were in the same World Cup group, no, India and Pakistan. I mean, 92 is, of course, an exception, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but the 92 was the first time they played anyway. So, this was like, like yeah. 92, 96, 99. This was the fourth time they're playing each other. Fourth yeah. That is true. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I was very surprised to uh, to know two things. One, as I was digging, digging the World Cup stats recently, one, that this World Cup by far has the most five-wicket hauls. Uh, and quite a wide variety of them. There's Colin Zoboya, mm-hmm. there's your, uh, there's a Canadian guy, what's his name? Uh, Austin Codrington. Austin, Austin Codrington, there's uh, Nera, there's uh, uh, Andy Pinto, Megra. I mean, quite a wide variety of bowlers. And the Andy Pickle, Paul, I yeah. think Andy Pickle had a, with Pickle, thing, yeah. I think Shane Bond had one. Pickle and Jute Elizabeth. If I remember, Wasim had one. Uh, one of the against Wasim one had one the, against Namibia or something. Namibia or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the counterpoint, which might surprise a lot of you, is uh, the only World Cup without a five-wicket haul is surprisingly the most revered World Cup of all, 1992. Uh, really? Yeah. Wow. Today I learned. <laughs> Holy shit. Apart from Centurion, I I was like personally of the ones I watched. I thought uh, two both involving New Zealand. One I really enjoyed watching, which was uh, Scott Styris smashing Murli Dharan around in like a really forgotten gem of an innings, which is his one forty odd against one forty one. One forty one. Yeah, 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 yeah. He kept slog sweeping him for like he hit some five sixes or whatever, and yeah. In a otherwise disastrous New Zealand performance, that was, I thought that was a great innings. And uh, another was the, the India New Zealand game. And uh, right through that World Cup, 
under lights the ball did crazy things uh hmm. right like whether it's a nera game where before him like shrinath and zahir had set it up by they were like 20 odd for 2 in 12 overs when uh, nera even came on but yeah so many matches like the ball was doing a lot and india was chasing 140 odd and bond was looking so scary and uh india were 3 down and so i should remember this shot really vividly because like it was a really big front foot stride and a and a really he was he had just come to the crease i think mohammad kaif and you know he takes this long stride out to uh, bond and like hits him through the covers and yeah that shot i don't know to me at, at that age or whatever it just seemed like a really 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 quality shot and you know whatever happened subsequently with his career or whether he was that good at all just at that moment and in that innings he looked like a really good player okay ashoka your pick for the match yeah uh, so these guys took away uh, of, of course they took away the india pakistan so let me go with two things two matches uh, like the first obviously uh, brian charles lara 100 uh, against uh, south africa so that was a very very good match west indies south africa uh, the first one i which i liked match. a lot yeah because all favorite uh, things happened right like uh, lara hit 100 uh, ricardo paul hits on quick fire 40 then follow up you have uh, klusner nearly finishing the match so it was it was like uh, a recap of 99 what what happened in 99 in many ways and then another match is the west indies canada uh, not so much because how the match panned out but because how uh, they were t- uh, i still remember those three sixes that lara hits 26 or 25 runs lara hits in an over yeah <laughs> like he, he he just murders that bowler uh, i i forget who the bowler is he's a left arm bowler but yeah 25 runs in an over i i still vividly remember that and this was the same day when uh, india makes 300 uh, against namibia if i'm right so this was the same day when sachin and lara both like whacked the bowling uh, yeah of course you can argue that at one end it was namibian bowling and another end it was canadian bowling but still you you don't get many days when you have lara and tendulkar hitting and one other weird fact that i want to throw in is like I remember Wavell Hines playing in a very T20 mode. That never ever happens in life. When that happens, like you should actually remember it. If you remember, uh, Wavell Hines and uh, uh, Chris Gale started out at the same time, technically yes, at the yes. same time as openers. For and a Hines was a little ahead, actually. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you would always think that Hines was slightly more capable than Gale. Like foolishly, you would make such assumptions in life, and. and these both batsmen had same kind of uh, batting technique like block 70 balls and the next 10 balls hit like seven sixes and have an uh, like a strike rate of 60 70 at the end of the match so this was always the prototype for wavel hines and this was the prototype for early gale later gale evolved wavel hines didn't but this was one unique match this canada uh, match where i think in 20 or 30 30 35 balls he hit some 70 60 runs wavel hines i'm like what the hell is happening today <laughs> that was the see that was the day when sachin and lara hit 
but the prevailing thought that i am sitting here 16 years later is macha wavel hinds hit like 200 strike rate on that day and, and i can't get that out of my mind <laughs> oh wavel hinds oh man wavel hinds the legend another candidate for uh, match of the tournament would probably be england australia right with uh, don't pick my choices man towards reasonably flat they not true wickets yeah and yeah. there was a Ponting, lot of Ponting got me upset with the portals with pitch yeah 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 and it was consistently criticized throughout the world cup right even one of the semi finals was played there right the, the australia sri lanka one sri lanka this was in my view a great one day match probably the best match of the world cup in terms of you know the overall contest uh, yeah. but there was still a lot of criticism so politically i was always taking the stance that this was a great ground to play at great pitch to play a mm. one day cricket at so that will be i mean if i have to i mean obviously march 1 is out of the equation so obviously that's the first one the second favorite match would, would probably be this and of course australia thump thumping england is always a, is a reason to celebrate <laughs> yeah let's kind of go back to the bowling performance which kind of got cut off we'll edit it and put oh, it around yeah yeah can't yeah. go ahead what's what's your favorite bowling performance of the cup Yeah, Asif Kareem for sure. Uh, you know, just the way he made he made Ponting look clueless for those three four balls that he bowled at him, and and uh, there's this one point where uh, I was watching it again today, and uh, Lehman has come in, and you know he's trying to make room and punch through the covers, and it turns back sharply and cramps him, and the commentators are going, uh, you know. once you've done that you want one to spin a little less so he's got a slip in place maybe he can get an edge to slip next ball he edges to the keeper so yeah mm-hmm. I, i don't know for, for me that performance was just uh, kind of indicates that with a little bit of help on the pitch uh, finger spinner can still be relevant if he bowls like a really good length and doesn't give batsman time to adjust even a 40 year old back from retirement spinner Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Ashoka, what's your pick? Obviously, Nehra ji. Before Nehra ji was Nehra ji, he was just Nehra when he was bowling well, and when he was not bowling well, he was Nehru. So <laughs> this has this has nothing to do with anything political or BJP, but this was just the case. He, these are the silly names we had uh, back when he was uh, a bowler. So, so 6 for 23 that was a i mean that was like the icing on the cake right like uh, as you guys were discussing uh, such in dismantling uh, cadic right after that uh, we make some competent total around 250 something and nehra coming and uh, in the lights just uh, ripping through england it was very special Okay, before Shriram Dayanand picks Shane Bond, I'm going to jump ahead and pick it. <laughs> and I have a bonus reason to to like Bond, apart from the fact that his bowling is so beautiful, was that uh, 
I think he was uh, pretty much responsible for Steve Ob being knocked out of the Australian One Day team. So there was a tri series uh, where they didn't make the finals after a long, long time back home in Australia when uh, when New Zealand and uh, who's other team that went through to the finals? South Africa. South yeah, Africa. Yeah, South Africa. Yeah. yeah. So in that, uh, there was a Shane Bond's uh, at least the Test debut series and followed by this tri series, and he really got Steve Waugh in like a lot of trouble. And subsequently, Steve Waugh was exed from the One Day team. So there's another added reason for me to like Bond. <laughs> and he had this terrific six wicket spell against uh, against australia right although they went on to lose that match yeah uh, yeah he gets a 6 for 23 i don't know if it's this match or or the india match where mark nicholas was on commentary and he was uh, having this great run and he he actually hums the the james bond theme and it sounded so perfect <laughs> i mean i remember that uh, uh, series in australia was it his debut then right Test so, debut, yeah. Test uh, debut. Uh, one day, I'm not sure if he played it a little before mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to yeah, fin- we finished with batting. What about ba- sorry, bowling? What about batting performances? Ashoka, you start. Just for fun, I'll pick uh, Craig Wishart's 171. Because that it. that uh, that because that was the starting of the World Cup, right? Like so, let's let's begin with that. Uh, props to him. So <laughs> for no other reason, like this was the first match of the World Cup. uh anyways anyways i was i was like toggling the channel because the other end uh, as i said brian lara was going bonkers so i wouldn't miss that but for novelty sake i would pick this 171 because well, from the glimpses that i saw that it was a it it seemed from all accounts a good fun thumpy innings because okay. anyways you guys are going to pick sachin and other important stuff Don't usually you do that when you are the last one, right? When somebody has already picked Sachin, you do that. You are given the yeah. choice first. Yeah, I have given the choice to the guest. Also, I would like to. So it is not a batting innings kind of way, but this was this never gets said in many places. Like I am a secret uh, Bas Zudirant fan of of Netherlands. You don't. Have, that, that is not a secret. It's already come out in our ninety-six. <laughs> 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 like the guy is part of every world cup that has ever been <laughs> like, I, i i was just googling i thought okay then oh yeah basudin was part of this world cup he was the youngest in 96 right yeah youngest in 96 and then he has a fifth, i think he has a 100 here as well uh, no no in this, he didn't hear oh, no, he doesn't world cup Correct. He doesn't have a hundred. Last, last Jan van Lutwijk. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And one so, of yeah, yeah. forget his name. Yeah. 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 He he doesn't hit it. Uh, even the three hundred match, he he doesn't play well. Klopp Tim Dilly. Yeah. yeah Tim Dilly also doesn't play well. So these are the two guys yeah. I will never forget for no reason. I don't remember shit about their batting except Bas Zudinant was like well composed, slight mild Graham Hick kind of. batsman uh that is the only thing i'll remember from his batting so these are some of the batting memories which otherwise will not be told so i am just listing them as i remember i won't pick such in just for the sake of not picking it uh but uh, i'll i'll go with ponting i mean like the guy was unbelievable i mean it's not just the final it seemed like He was in some kind of bizarre zone. Every time we looked at him, and the bastard is going to score. 
he had this look about him. And of course, how, how can you forget the final? I mean, like, just, he turned it into like a non, non-event. I mean, like, it was a ridiculous toying with us like that. And so, I mean, for as a, to pick a batsman, I mean, like, uh, I'd probably pick him. I mean, like, even though Sachin's dog will always remain ultra special, of course. But ponting uh, was something else. I mean, Gilly too. I mean, like, I don't know why I'm picking only Aussies, but uh, they, they both had fantastic, fantastic knocks. I mean, even in the final, Gilly was like, I think Zahir, uh, not that. Yeah, like, man, that first over killed everything. Yeah? That is the most depressing over of one day cricket I've seen. Horrifying. I mean, like, that and and Zahir looking like a. Yeah, and Zahir, I mean, like, uh, hey, by the way, I, I just I found an interesting stat that uh, India averaged 10 wides a game. We were like 40 over the uh, second one. Wow. Yeah, I mean, in 2003. And uh, Zahir standing in the middle of the pitch, looking like, like a pantomime villain. I mean, and looking at Gilly with that, I'm going to intimidate you look. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, like, go back to your run-up. That never-ending over, the depressing beginning. Oh, God. It went downhill after that. But, I mean, you got to give it to Ponting, though. I mean, like, even when we came out to bat, I mean, I think mentally he had demolished us. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, yeah, true. So the, the fun fact is I didn't watch uh, about 90% of that innings because at the end of 20 overs, even when Harbhajan gets those two wickets, I was so depressed. Uh, I didn't want to watch a ball of it anymore. A bunch of friends went out. The whole city was deserted. I have not seen Chennai being so empty in my life. Everyone was watching cricket. I went to an internet parlor. The, the fucking guy had specifically borrowed TV for that week. So I've never seen a TV there, but he had a TV installed there. So we had to go out. We went to Al Samal where there's a sandwich shop. At the sandwich shop, which is open every day, the guy was listening to it on radio. It's like <laughs> you couldn't escape the match anywhere you go. And by the time I came home again, Ponting hit that one hundred six of Naira. And that's it. I could have been dead that moment. For the next two days, I didn't have a life. Yeah, I mean, it was like traumatic, right? I mean, like the build-up, everything that happened before the match. I mean, like the fact that we were in a final and everything. And it starts off, I mean, like it's like letting the air out of a balloon with that goofy over. And then mayhem. I mean, like first Gilly going berserk. And then and David Martin playing beautifully as well. Oh, God. I mean, I was, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, like we all, like pointing, of course, but... Uh, Martin made like 80 years odd, right? And he was yeah. fantastic. In fact, he was cruising along. I mean, I didn't watch it, but subsequently I was watching the highlights. He was the one who kind of uh, propelled the innings initially and then Ponting went berserk in the second half. I know. And the look on our, the team's faces, I mean, like you knew, I mean, like, I mean, it was insane to think uh, Tendu would come out and like produce some magic. I mean, like, uh, but uh, we were completely destroyed mentally. I mean, like, it was... The players looked like they'd been... Oh, God, it yeah. was horrifying to watch. 
but what a knock what a what a bloody knock to pull it off at that stage unbelievable yeah sriram was mentioning this the build up to that final and i just remembered this bizarre thing that i read somewhere either in a newspaper or i don't remember where it was kind of like a whatsapp forward before the days of whatsapp so so i said oh india is definitely going to win this final because if you look at all the captains who won world cups before them it went like alternating so clive lloyd batted left handed then it was kapil dev who batted right handed then it was another left hander border then imran khan right hander then nanatunga steve waugh so now it's the turn of another left hander and obviously ganguly is going to win okay okay So, so we had that uh, momentum theory as well where uh, you know both india and australia were the best teams in the world cup but uh, australia had already defeated india once and they won every match uh, in the world cup so they they'll eventually start to lose momentum when when it comes to the At final point. yeah so there was but that see, hope as well yeah but you see that, that uh, match, yeah. it, it took two innings for us to hit 359 we scored exactly 359 234 plus 125 in the two matches <laughs> yeah it's similar <laughs> it it's similar to the eden gardens test right where india won by 171 and uh, you know they didn't in the end they wouldn't have needed that first innings kind of and i also i found out today that we in the final we made 234 which was exactly the partnership between martin and uh, ponting <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I, I've always been amused by that. Oh man, it took us two you know, two matches to score three fifty nine. It's exactly three fifty nine. But if you see, if you see, we shouldn't be like. Even then, I was not kidding myself. Like by that time, by two thousand three, we were under the. We, it was the fourth or the fifth year of the Australian dominion, and they were at their peak. They were winning here and there. So uh, it was kind of apparent that they will. more or less win the world cup it is just that and uh, i got a foreboding feeling when we were facing kenya in the semi finals for some reason i was like fuck we are going to smash them and this is going to be one false uh, hope that used to i mean always we'll prepare for the worst right like when uh, we demolished kenya in that semi final i was like oh god we are going with this preparation to the finals and that is a team that has not won i mean that has not lost sorry the whole tournament and so i was always skeptical and the first ball wide for i i lost hope then there only i was like fuck we are fucked <laughs> and uh, yeah even when we got gilly and then uh, hey, there was is. yeah hey then there there was absolutely zero hope then hope kindled for like that four runs that sachin hit that, <laughs> that boundary that sachin hit oh yeah we are going to do this and then oh yeah he what were we doing come on i don't know by the way i don't know if you guys remember there was a brief period when there was a threat of rain and ponting wanted to complete the 25 overs to qualify it as a full match yeah. so that they don't have a full match yeah. the next day and during that time and brad hog and lehman were bowling seva kind of went berserk he hits a couple of sixes of brad hog yeah yeah and, and there was I, like you could there was panic in pontic's face you could see that and that was the only mm-hmm. moment where india had the sniff of a chance so this neighbor of mine had bought like 10000 crackers or whatever to like you know to burst it when india win or whatever 
and mm-hmm. he realized that there was the only window of opportunity he got to do that so just after those two sixes we could hear like these firecrackers growing out going outside my house <laughs> another innings uh not of a guy i i've really like liked that much but i mean i now i like think about it and it was a so basically the australia's first match and like uh shane wan's been just been suspended for the drug thing mm-hmm. uh, darren lehman's still serving his suspension for his uh, racist comment and uh, yeah so uh, andrew simons he gets a chance walks in at 3 for 50 odd and you know makes a fantastic 100 and that pretty much turns his career around so uh, before that game he had he averaged something like 24 from 50 odd matches and after that he averaged 45 for the rest of his career so yeah and right through the world cup he played some really crucial knocks against sri lanka Uh, yeah so that was a pretty that was a special story. knock i i, I yeah. yeah i totally agree the fleming knock was spectacular too uh, the one against south africa like it was oh yeah yeah he scored some 20 odd boundaries in that right yeah it's funny yeah. because uh, it was the same match in which herschel gibbs went berserk i mean yeah. i think uh, south africa batted first and uh, probably the only knock i remember from a south african in that whole world cup other than boucher's uh, beautiful defensive <laughs> shot uh, i think it's the same match that uh, gibbs went cuckoo and then fleming just that was a quite quite a knock yeah so eventually none of us picked sachin's 97 or 98 or 97 for that matter against sri lanka which is also a great innings i don't think we are allowed to interesting do and talking of that such in uh, six of cadic do you remember the context before that so i think a match before that or probably a few days before that he gave a press conference where he said michael one is the best batsman in the world if not yes something. yeah i know yeah. i know <laughs> and i think we had played the previous match against namibia if i'm not wrong at uh, peter marisburg and this was uh, this was a derby if i'm not wrong and then he he hits a pull and then shastri in the commentary is going mad and he says oh that's <laughs> going to peter marisburg <laughs> i mean like a cadig's face i mean like there was some kind of like a psychotic trauma going on in his face i mean it's like <laughs> it was brilliant i mean like i've i have the dvd of the uh, of that match too and like Every time I watch it, I fall off the chair laughing. Like Carrick's face looks so weird. <laughs> Since you brought up God, the drama of like finding out Warney wasn't playing, I'm mean, like, that was something, huh? To, to, for it to start that way. Yeah, so, I didn't understand what was going on. Um, hey, they said that this is what uh, is what is not to understand. He said, right? His mother gave him some pills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mama's boy. His mother gave. That. Yeah, his mother gave him some pills, and when your mother gives you pills, you take them. And it so turned out that these were drugs that you shouldn't be taking. So said, I think I yeah, for his we, weight loss. Yeah, for, for his weight loss, right, right. Mama gave yeah. him pills for his weight loss. Yeah, right. so I kind of believe Juan in things like this because <laughs> because it makes so much sense. <laughs> Is amazing that he was still able to come back and have such a great career from there on. I thought that would, that would be it, right? I thought he was close, pretty closer to the end, especially given the kind of he is. He's not going to sustain 
the next one year without playing cricket you know and all i mean like uh-huh. probably took for 350 wickets in test after that i guess i mean it's but phenomenal yeah but like the, to wake up on the first day the world cup is starting and like the headline is shane one band and you're like what it like a ball hasn't been bowled yet and of course the comedy of it right but like his mother should have taken the pizza away not the <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's, it's always fun it's always fun listening to one talking about uh, that period of his life now like when he's on commentary and stuff and for some reason if 2003 4 comes up and uh, i remember once some co-commentator asking him uh, to wani why weren't you playing this game and uh, he's like uh, um i was on an n4 sabbatical <laughs> all right let's uh, let's round it off with uh, with how do we look back at the world cup in retrospect and i mean for instance i remember enjoying this world cup immensely i i don't know i mean at that time i didn't find it like a bloated world cup and i i absolutely enjoyed the fact that zimbabwe and kenya made it to the super six and kenya in fact had a run all the way to the semi finals uh and also the fact that it was a great bowling world cup because that was also the time when i was a fast bowler and and bowling like you know playing reasonably competitive cricket so i enjoyed the fact that that was a great platform for world cup i mean for the bowlers uh one of the things that i find a little weird but usually every world cup especially because we just did 92 and 96 recently and there was something innovative about both the world cups i was wondering apart from this new zealand's uh, decision to uh, follow the relay trace as a relay throws there wasn't really anything innovative by any of the teams right or was it or did i miss something west indies three bowlers but is that innovation or just dearth of bowlers or dearth of whatever i mean is it just stupid strategy or was it, you do you give them credit no. for it yeah it's some i mean they tried it and they stuck with it and they didn't have an awful world cup so uh they lost a couple of close games one to sri lanka i think with sarwan coming in after retiring hurt and then smashing it in the end oh yeah yeah i remember that uh, there is a good match yeah so you know they stuck with it and it was an interesting tactic for and for its time with the rules of one day cricket back then why not hmm. i think they basically said we don't really have any good spinners so let's just play another batsman yeah so but, but in terms of revisionism for instance uh, like um, uh, i mean not too much i mean not as much as the 96 world cup but people do complain a lot about the fact that it is a reasonably bloated world cup and that's a little problematic because cricket wants to make money from it and this was the most commercial world cup we've had right we had those ambush marketing nonsense that was going on with the indian cricket team where you couldn't advertise with non world cup sponsors for like some period before the event in fact india's prize money was withheld till that uh, contract issue was resolved and stuff like that so you always have this problem with cricket being a reasonably small sport and this is probably cricket's first foray into full scale commercialization uh, you can't keep it too small to make it efficient uh, then it will become those uh, champions trophy or mini world cup but if you make it big you need to have a format where uh, where you keep the big teams lasting long enough for them to make money for me the big thing from this world cup and 2007 was it going to south africa and then west indies and it looked like it was going to like spread around that way but then since then they've come back to you know the big 3 and it looks like big 
is going to keep happening more and more and yeah i'd like it to keep going back to other countries more often yeah otherwise i don't know i immensely enjoyed watching it and at the time didn't have any complaints about its length or whatever uh, though if i was though right now as a cricket journalist having to like deal with all the work that comes with it i pray for really short tournament <laughs> with too much um, uh, not very eventful ones either uh, to add to what you guys were saying i i still believe i mean i want to go back to what i was saying earlier as well like uh what something to be called a world cup i mean you have to be slightly more inclusive in your approach like you by now have given odi status to like at least a 2025 uh, set of countries right i may be wrong but i don't know the numbers but there are a bunch of associates who play cricket at a reasonably good level so at, at at which point in time if you want to promote the game and you want games to reach maximum number of countries why don't you have a 32 country world cup with four uh, four countries in each uh, pool eight pools of which top two teams go to the quarter finals then semi finals uh, uh, uh round of 16 quarter finals semi finals and then finals like that would have, that would be a great approach like instead of being afraid of oh the big teams might lose out but it also gives you new audiences like kenya or canada or namibia or netherlands or scotland or ireland you you find if their team qualifies you find a newer set of audience right you find a newer set that country the 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 youngsters in that country or people who follow that sport in that country find a larger voice i mean you have to weigh both of both the things and then come to a conclusion that uh, i mean a conclusion that is benefit for the that will be beneficial for the game not just be like yeah uh, uh, okay i'll have qualifiers for the associates and i'll hand pick two of them and then i'll have only a 10 country world cup or a 8 country world cup or a 6 country world cup might as well get on i mean uh, say it as it is and say that hey there are there is this big three uh, the rest of the countries can you just have a tournament and we'll select one and have semi finals and finals and get get it over don't give ideas that we, we might get that next <laughs> <laughs> all right with that we come to the end of a wonderful discussion on the 2003 world cup i had a lot of fun i hope uh, the other crew members had thanks a lot shriram for joining us Thank you. Oh no, it was a pleasure being here. And thanks a lot again Karthik for joining us after the 96 one as well. Uh, it was a pleasure having you here. Thanks man. It uh, was great uh, looking back at uh, my childhood again. Excellent. Uh yes, you can listen to our podcasts on all the podcasting platforms uh and as well as on our website aeronallout.com uh keep listening there are more world cup special episodes coming up thanks a lot for listening bye bye they'll come back for the second india have won the test match india have won the series they're going to get back